May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We're back. We're back. For all of our faithful listeners who are wondering what happened. Yeah. The yeah. Long, long and short of it is we got uh, arrested. Um, <laughs> they found our underground bunker beneath City Hall and we got arrested. But we got released on bail. So we're, we're good to go. <laughs> None of that is true, of course. Um, it's summertime. A lot of people take time off to recuperate. It's been a long year and a half for uh, Alex and others who have, have been uh, in ministry. And so it's good to uh, take a little sabbatical, get mm-hmm. refreshed, and uh, yeah. So here we are. We're back again. I am uh, your host, Jeremy Boyd. And I'm Alex. And we got uh, the Benjamin. I'm ben, yeah. Back, back again. That's right. Where, where you been? Home. How are things? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, like you guys, just enjoying the summer. and uh, Two-dose summer? You enjoying the two-dose summer? Yeah. I mean, what is that? I'm not sure. I think that's when you read your Bible twice a day. Oh, Oh, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I want to asp- aspire to that most okay, days. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoying yeah. the uh, utopian dream that we've been in lately? Uh, I am. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's it's somewhat lacking. They promised us more. Yeah. It's Did not they? all it's cracked up to be. They didn't really promise us anything. They just told us what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. I just expected there'd be more like freedom at the end of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But it turns out it's just more prison yeah, yeah, that's right. time. Well, that's what happens with the laws of man, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, it is. They yeah, don't they enslave. Freedom. They enslave. So uh, we may get back to that topic today, but we're carrying on with our three-part series on the doctrine of man, mankind, yeah. uh, humankind. Uh, and the first episode last time was on the creation. What's... What's God's purpose in creating us? Mm-hmm. What's our purpose as human beings created in his image? And today we're going to focus on the fall. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is uh, an area where we are we are all intimately uh, acquainted with the fall mm-hmm. and the, the sinful nature, uh, especially those who are in Christ. We see the truth of our true human nature. And uh, mm-hmm. I heard it said once that there is no... Uh, fact more universally understood and universally ignored than the total depravity of men. Yeah. So maybe we'll take that as a jumping off point and get started. I don't know if Al, you want to get us get us going. Yeah. Um, last last time we talked about this, we I believe we discussed how every every person essentially has a worldview, and part of that worldview is an an understanding of our purpose. What is our purpose? What is my purpose? Even if it's not a broader, you know, all of humanity, uh, and even if you wouldn't articulate that, every single person lives out of a sense of that. You know, what was I? What am I here for? What am I aspiring to? And the Christian understanding of creation helps us understand that, right? So we were created by God. There is a creator, and we are creatures. We are dependent on God. We are sustained by God. Uh, we were created to know God and to worship Him and to obey Him, and that brings with it a life of blessing. And um, there's inherent dignity and worth. You know, the, the image of God is a foundation of all uh, justice, and ethics. Um, and so we discussed that, but, you know, kind of the flip side to that coin, you know, what, what is, what we created for is what's went, what has gone wrong. And 
we mentioned somewhat sarcastically the utopian dream that we're in. I'm referencing kind of a communist view, socialist view of history, you know, that says a, a progressivist view that we're moving towards mm-hmm. um, this positive vision for humanity. Yeah, we just need better education and better government and yes. better this and better so that. So as, as that's sto- a part of that story is uh, it's what's gone wrong. If you look at, you know, Marxism, it's a class thing. You know, the problem in the world is the disparity between the classes, and that's to simplify things, and all the problems that come along with it. Therefore, the solution is to do away with that disparity. Uh, we think about doctrines of equality um, that are based on that, etc. But the, the problem with this, and all tribal thinking like it, you know, we think about critical race theory today. You know, we divide people into little tribes, um, we think about identity politics, which are just rampant. You know, those people uh, has been a, a phrase that even our leaders have used recently. Um, what we tend to do is identify the problem in the world with other people, whether it be the wealthy, whether it be the white, whether it be the guys, whether it be the unvaccinated, whatever, whatever it is, every culture has this kind of um, scapegoat. And what's unique about Scripture is that we read in the very beginning that we have a doctrine of what's wrong with all of us. Mm. And I think about the words of the cartoonist Pogo, right? We have met the enemy and he is us. Mm. And you think about Chesterton, you know, being asked to write what's wrong with the world, and he he responds to the newspaper, Dear Sirs, I am, you know, sincerely. Mm. And uh, so I just thought we would discuss what what is the biblical view of the fallenness of man. We've talked about our purpose, but what's wrong with us? And according to the Bible, the most profound problem is sin, rebellion um, against God, and the consequences that flow from that. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully next week we'll talk about the redemption and the solution to all of that. Mm-hmm. So this is not, you know, one in one sense it's not, popular to talk about sin but if if we think about it all everyone is always seeking to blame someone or something everyone's always trying to figure out what has gone wrong yeah. and who's to blame and what can we do about it so mm. we we can't escape this yeah we'll just either be right in our assessment or wrong usually wrong usually wrong Does well it, especially if you're trying to find the the problem out there somewhere yeah as long as you're not starting with yourself, you're never going to find a solution, right? Because it starts with acknowledgement and confession of guilt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this stuff all the time, right? Like, make your bed. Yeah. Start start with yourself. Yeah. And to see the pushback he gets from it, it's very similar to the pushback that, that the Christian uh, worldview would get from it. Because mm-hmm. he's saying, uh, you think you think you just need to fix other people and then all the problems are going to go away. It's almost like... Um, well, what it is 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 uh, self righteousness and justification, right? Mm. We're saying the only reason I'm bad and that I sin is because of other people and Wait. other people's influence on me. Yeah, right. It's not start in your own home and and you know clean up your own heart first. Yeah, right. It's it's outside pressures. Yeah. Well, this is and this is Genesis three. This is what Adam right. did. Right. When God comes to Adam post fall, um, Adam essentially. 
blame. No, not essentially. He explicitly yeah. blames Eve. Yeah, he claims and to God. be a victim. <laughs> and God. Victim. Yeah. The woman the, you gave you me. You gave me. Yeah. <laughs> so he claims victim status. He abdicates himself of all moral responsibility, and he seeks to blame someone else for it, mm. even though implicit in that blame is placing on her the consequences of his actions, yeah. which is death. And he knows that because God told him. Because whoever eats of it shall die. Yeah. If it was up to Adam to um, articulate and confess his wrong, there would never have been provision. No. It was only God who could articulate, look, this is where you went wrong, and I'm going to provide the provision. Yes. But as long as you try to hide, like Adam and Eve did, try to escape, try to blame, mm-hmm. you, you, you may think you're escaping, uh, you know, accusation, um, but really all you're escaping is... Is accusation, but also the following opportunity for redemption as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it it seems like a good avenue. Mm-hmm. Hiding seems like okay, maybe I can just avoid this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you you can't avoid it. You you, can, you can't possibly bear the crushing weight of guilt mm-hmm. here no, or hereafter. That, that shows a misunderstanding of the nature and the heinousness of, of every sin. Yeah. Right. If you think you can just hide from it and get away with it, then you're not understanding what you've actually done and how you've actually offended God. Yeah. It's a minimizing of what it is. Yeah. Um, John Frame, John Frame, one of my favorite theologians, helpfully, when he discusses the nature of sin, says, you know, you need to discuss the nature of what righteousness is. Because unless you do that, um, then you you just you will end up belittling the nature of your sin, right? So God didn't kill anyone, you know, as if the standard of righteousness is not murdering other mm-hmm. people, right? And we all do this in yeah, our own hearts. Yeah. We say we we look at the worst case scenario and say because we're not that, so we built this artificial um, grading standard, on a curve, yeah. yeah, that we can <laughs> that we can reach. But according to the the Bible, and John Frame helpfully articulates this. All righteousness needs to have the proper standard, uh, the proper um, goal, and the proper motive. That's right. Yeah. So the standard in Scripture, I'm going to read a couple texts to highlight this. Um, the standard in Scripture is God, His nature and character. And we see this in James 4.11. Um, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. In 1 John 3, 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So the ultimate standard, we've been talking about this a lot in the last year. What is the standard? It's God's God's law. It's God and his law. Um you know, First Peter one sixteen, be holy for I am holy. But there's not just the right standards. See, righteousness and sin is much deeper than that too. That Scripture tells us the true righteousness. What is a good action, a righteous action? Um, we have to have the right goal in mind, and 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 that is in Scripture the glory of God. You know, we read that in the New Testament. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Um, First and, Corinthians ten thirty one, and that's like the difference between obeying God's law in order to be justified, yeah, or obeying it uh, out of obedience that's coming from love, yeah, the obedience of faith, yeah. 
Um, and lastly, the right motivation. So not only do we have to be doing the right thing according to the right standard with the right goal in mind, which is the glory of God, we have to be doing it with the right motivation, which is uh, sincere faith and love. Hmm. You know, Romans fourteen twenty three. whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating, his eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And... Um, we could go on about that as well. So when we think about sin as a distortion of righteousness, it's a false standard with a false goal and a false motivation. The standard is myself, um, you know, and my own righteousness, or it's anything but God's law and it's lawlessness. Uh, the motivation is not the glory of God, but our own glory. We worship, Romans 1 says, not the Creator, but the creation. Mm. And we give thanks, not to the Creator, but we ascribe you know, um, to ourselves that which only can be ascribed to God. And we don't do things out of love and faith that's fundamentally a selfish motivation in our hearts. So... Part of what we need to recover is, is a more comprehensive understanding of what sin actually is. And the way you do that is you actually paint a bigger picture of righteousness, right? You actually have a, a fuller, deeper, richer understanding of what we were created for. Mm. And um, and then it, it it's more obvious the heights from which we've fallen. Yeah. And, and the... Well, obviously, we need revelation, uh, you know, to to see that. Um, but the way, like, we we all have an instinctive awareness um, by virtue of being made in the image of God, by virtue of of some notion of what right and wrong are. Now, those are massively distorted, and, yeah. and often um, even the Gentiles know, have a law written on their. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so we all have this this notion that we've fallen short mm-hmm. of some standard, mm-hmm. and 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 even if you don't articulate that uh, that feeling as as guilt, you know, mm-hmm. shame is a much more popular, uh, or, or um, a lot of people will say that, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling shame, uh, it, you're not enough. And so what um, what the secular gospel does is it said, okay, well, the solution to that is you know, uh, well, self-esteem, self-worth, yeah. self-worth, self-forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's not kind of I need something from outside yeah. mm-hmm. to deal with I, what I know is objective guilt. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to do is is convince you that you're not actually that bad, mm-hmm. right? Or right. or um, you know maybe you have done terrible things, but you know you, you know I've lots of people trying to wrestle with. Um, wouldn't maybe they wouldn't articulate it, but trying to work that off, various forms of penance, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and it's like it's like putting um, a cast or or a band aid over over an infected limb. Right. I mean, uh, just, make just put worse. another cast on. Mm-hmm. It'll make it better. It's like I mean, you've got this. You've got this flesh eating, uh, deep uh, thing that you can't just think away or magic away you've mm-hmm. got to deal with it concretely mm-hmm. and uh and you don't have that anywhere yeah. in any religion mm-hmm. uh or or secular self-help mm-hmm. apart from the gospel the, mm-hmm. the, where else do you find the gospel address uh, um 
uh, re- revelation or religion addressing guilt head on. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. find it anywhere else. And there's so, no solution. So we have this, you, you talk about the inescapability of guilt, though. So we, so one is to deny it by saying, you don't feel guilt, you just feel shame, and here's how you fix it. But we are living in an outrage culture that's constantly accusatory. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing when you accuse people is you are ascribing guilt. Um, so when we abandon the doctrine of sin and redemption, we don't actually abandon guilt. We just place it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that goes really bad. And in yeah. the scriptures, you, you see the Pharisees functionally denying their own guilt, you know, that they trusted in, their, in themselves that they were righteous, Jesus said. And they looked down on other people. Why do you hang out with sinners and tax collectors? You know, the man, the, the, the one Pharisee goes and prays, thank God I'm not like these other people. But it's a man who got up and couldn't even look to heaven and beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and went home justified because he acknowledged his guilt mm-hmm. and his need for forgiveness. And God is is quick and willing um, to forgive Amen. repentant sinners. But what I'm getting at is culturally, we haven't abandoned the idea that there is guilt no. and that there is blame. It's yeah. just not me. It's you. It's it's our leaders, or, it's those people. Or if it is you, uh, a la woke, the woke ideology, right? You're a racist and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. You're acknowledging it, but you're not, there's no solution other than uh, basically eternal servitude and penance. Yeah. Right? Self-flagellating. There's, there's no grace. There's no. no There's no way out. Yeah. Uh, which is just despair. Yeah. Uh, there's, I don't know how else to, to, to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 we suffer. Uh, people suffer when they don't acknowledge sin as a reality individually. Because unless you acknowledge, own yourself as an individual sinner, and confess your individual sin to Christ, you can't receive forgiveness. So we're suffer. We suffer as a people when we abandon that. Um, we also suffer uh, collectively as a society. Uh, Glenn Sunshine did a, a great talk at our, at our conference a few weeks ago about how there used to be an awareness, um, an acknowledgement that humans were broken. Uh, you know, they might have used sin, um, but there was checks and balances. Mm, um, right. You know, in in terms of of government, in terms of any authority, because they knew what sin does when it gets power. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're and we're seeing it now with with the eradication of checks and balances and kind of the homogenization of 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 the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what once we're supposed to be opposition and and uh, you know, the opposition party, it's all just one now. Um, so, it's it's fundamental. You know, Al, you you talked in the past how how you know, uh, first things are so important Mm -hmm. that we get the first three chapters of Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 it's so true when when we, when we get that wrong, everyone suffers. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a schizophrenia though, with the way the world looks at this, because on the one hand we can say we deny the true nature of humanity. Therefore we don't put the checks and balances in place. But there's also, like you said, there's a fundamental, everybody knows it, uh, there's a fundamental sense of guilt. Um, so I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to reconcile that. I guess it's just, you know, if you... Well, if, we place it on other people. That's what right. censorship is. 
Right. So right, but I'm they, just talking about that that sort of cognitive dissonance in that whole worldview. Yeah. I guess that's just what happens when when you don't submit yourself to the law of God oh, it's, and to yeah, His it's word. Like, it's, it's like, like Van Til said, irrationality and rationality. Yeah. You 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 move in and out of those in right. unbelief. Right? right. It's like you know you're guilty, but you project that onto other people. Right. And you don't submit yourselves to the same scrutiny and mm-hmm. limitations that you. To other people, and I guess you don't, you don't, um, you don't submit your God to that same scrutiny. Yeah, right. So if a culture's God is uh, politics or yeah. the government, they're not. You're not going to be as, um, uh, I guess, scrupulous with the government. You can say, well, just give them all the power and let them do what they want. Yeah, without realizing that's a bad idea. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's just. I guess that's the answer. Is just there's a fundamental. Um, fundamental disconnect and like you said going in and out of rationality yeah that's just the nature of the fallen mind yeah so speaking of the fallen mind you know this what exactly are the consequences of it the scriptures tell us that humanity is in its nature fundamentally changed post-fall that because of the sin of adam and eve that we are not uh what we were created to be we are fundamentally different um, a couple things. One, no one's good. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah. Well, how can you say that? Did no one ever do anything good or was he being hyperbolic? It's like, no. Again, the standard of what is good is you do everything not only with the right standard, but with the right goal and the right motivation, right. which is the glory of God and the good of other people, it's not selfishly motivated, it's selflessly motivated. So you're telling me that feeding feeding hungry people, if not done from the right motivation, is still a wicked act? Yeah. Yeah. And on one level. Yeah. And, and the Bible gets to that level. Um, you know, as Paul says in Romans 3, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So the scripture tells us the problem in the world is not with, you know, far-right people or progressives or communists or Marxists and socialists or liberals or, you know, People's Party or whatever. The, the problem in the world is us. We have seen the enemy and he is us. And no, not one of us is good. And certainly the, the depths to which people will sink does vary. We, uh, sin is not relativized in Scripture, mm. um, but but the fact remains that no one is good. And this condition, secondly, is something we're born into. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 58, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. It's, it's something that it's part of our very nature. Right. And this is, this is an area where a lot of Christians don't... Um, define the categories correctly. We think that we're sinners only because we sin. Mm-hmm. But Paul says in, in Romans 3, uh, sorry, Romans 4, where he's talking about sin, uh, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And he's talking about the inheritance of Adam, right? That we've yeah. inherited that sinful nature apart from our acts of sin, Mm-hmm. But we prove that we're sinners in the fact that we all sin. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like two categories there. I, I guess you could say sin by by deed and, and sin by nature. Yeah. 
right? Maybe we don't distinguish those enough. No, and our, so our nature is fundamentally um, turned away from God um, because as a consequence of Adam. And yeah, um, because of this, it says in Scripture that we're actually slaves to sin. So it's not like a mild sickness or something we can deal with. John eight thirty four. truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We're spiritually dead and unable to know God apart from the new birth. We kind of read that in Romans, no one uh, seeks for God, right? Um, It says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That's the part we forget is the inability yeah. to understand. Yeah. There's a fundamental inability to see the truth. Yeah. And this is why I like, instead of total depravity, I do like the phrase total inability. Um, it, it it obviously means, you know, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Total depravity doesn't mean you're as bad as you could be. It means every part of your being is corrupted by sin. So total doesn't mean absolute. I like R.C. Sproul's radical corruption. Radical corruption. Yeah. Right, we are we are corrupted to the very core, and there's and there's not one part of us that isn't, and there's always a human temptation to deny that, to say that right. you know Pelagianism, right? The island of righteousness. Yes, like we're we're yeah. we are bad, but there's a good part of us, and if we can access that good part of us and and dig into that or make use of that, you know, we can uh, we can improve ourselves, kind of thing. It's like, no, no, there's no island of righteousness. Yeah. I mean, Ephesians 2 says it's most clear. I mean, you can't get much worse than dead. Yes. And that's exactly yeah. what it says. Yeah. You know, we're dead in our sin. You, yes. you can't, there's no function of any part of a dead person's brain that is able to respond to stimulus. I mean, they're completely incapacitated. Yeah. Or just stone cold death. Yeah. And, uh, it requires an outside work rather than just being persuaded. Mm-hmm. Again, you were talking about education, right? It's not like we arrive. The key is to arrive at a, at a kind of a self-awareness or a self-knowledge. It, it has to come from outside. Right. In that passage in Ephesians 2, he says, and we are by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were. And this brings us to the consequence that because of our rebellion, because of our sin, because of our corruption, because our nature is is predisposed to be against God and not for Him and against others, we are we face the penalty of that, which is the wrath of God and ultimately is death. So this is the funny thing. It's like when you if you think this is an archaic um, doctrine, it's like what is more shared than death? And like, why does that happen? Yeah, I saw today that um, Jeff Bezos is is one of the headlines was he's investing money in a startup to deal with immortality, and and they're putting money into longevity. But one headline actually said immortality. And the problem, the thing is, you're never going to find immortality through improved, you know, biological, physiological mechanics because that's not the problem. Fundamentally, well, all of all of nature is is under the curse of sin. Yes, it's not just our mental mm-hmm. part of our bodies, but all of nature groans under the curse. Right? Yes, so there's no yeah, there's no biologic uh, solution to that. Yeah, so I mean, 
Admittedly, this is a pretty dour state, but maybe we could talk now about some practical applications of accepting the doctrine of the fall of man. One of one of the things is just humility. Like it should cause us to be less accusatory and blaming of others when we realize that we ourselves are infected with the same disease, so to speak. We are part of the problem. There, there should be a pause and a humility. Um, Reality. I mean, yeah. just, it's just if 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 you have uh, conceived of the problem wrong, if if you're if you're hazy or misinformed or straight out denial of the problem, you can't even approach a solution, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, just acknowledging this is the way things are, it, it, it sounds, like you say, incredibly devastating. Mm-hmm. I mean, what could be worse than to say you're dead in sin? I mean, that yeah. seems like the end of the road. Yeah. And you, you know, next week we'll talk about redemption. But that's, um, that's what we need to acknowledge. Powerlessness. Christ, yeah, Christians used to, uh, we don't talk about it much anymore, but that's that state of conviction for sin that preceded um, uh, confession. You just see how desperate things are. Yeah. And and your only response is to cry out to God for grace. But until yeah. you reach that moment when you're in the pigsty feeding pigs and you go, man, it can't get any worse than that. Yeah. You just, you convince yourself there's something you can do to get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just not reality. Mm-hmm. And that that's just a futile endeavor. So you are, you're saying you are situated... Um, to see things as they really are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and situated for a solution. Yeah. Which, which there is. Which is the gospel, yeah. And and you see solutions for personal issues, family issues, cultural issues, political issues. You see them all differently Oh yeah, as a result. Right? Yeah. You're not looking for a perfect utopian government at no. this point because yes. you know you're not going to get it. Yeah. You're not looking for a perfect spouse, a perfect family, a perfect anything. Um. But yeah, there's there's definitely uh, a level of humility there, mm-hmm. which, I mean, let's be honest, we all have to have that if we want to have any peace in life, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're constantly looking for your friends and family to be perfect, we're just going to be endlessly disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it preserves, yeah, I just keep thinking about the reality, it preserves us from like adopting or offering half measures to people. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. I think there's a place for, for programs like AA and, and, and detox and, and these kind of, um, you know, maybe certain psychological, uh, you know, endeavors. There may be a, a, there may be a place for that. Yeah. But you, you, you have to be just realistic with what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might be immediately effective for getting someone off a of substance, but at the end of the day, unless you address the heart, unless you get right down to the root of the infection, you're yeah. just, you're, you're never, you're not offering help. Yeah. Like you, if your life isn't aimed in the right direction and if it's not, you're not living with the right motivation and you're not pursuing the right, you know, goal by the right standard, like you're just always going to be off. Mm-hmm. And you might find temporary solutions, but they're not they're not ultimate fixes. And it's uh what what did Adam uh futility, right? It's an exercise in futility. So yeah. Yeah, it just it 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 just it's needful if if we're gonna walk in this world, it's part of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um when we know this is literally in all of us and uh, we're under the sway of it, then that certainly um, should give us pause 
uh, before, you know, ascribing all authority or power or, you know, just assuming the best of people. So this is one way it's come out recently. I've thought about this and written a little on it is, so Pelagianism, the, the term is referring to a false teacher in the church, Pelagian, and he basically taught that humanity is corrupted but not fully corrupted, and that with instruction um, basically can improve themselves. And uh, Augustine fought this fairly hard. And uh, basically, there's many problems with this, but there's always a proclivity in us to deny the the weight of the problem, the severity of the problem, and to ascribe to ourselves the potential to deal with it, right? It's not that bad, and I got this. Mm-hmm. And now that's that self-righteousness. Um, but we see this today, this kind of uh, ascribing um, a, a level of righteousness that's not owed. So I've, I've found as we've, if you even ask, like even now by vaccines, if you're just like, can you show me the data? Like if you ask your doctor, one, they're not allowed to show you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you even just say out loud, you know, if one of our politicians was to come and say, we're just looking into the adverse effects, you will be anathematized and you will be kicked out because you are not allowed to even suggest that a certain class of person, yeah, namely the experts, has any kind of fallibility whatsoever. But as soon as someone asks the questions, you must all assume that they are the most corrupt, vile, selfish, moral reprobate around. So what we have is this kind of, um, again, ascribing to, in this case, a certain class of people. Even Christians do this. Like, for the last year and a half, it's, it's, you're, you're not allowed to even question the wisdom of our leaders. Mm-hmm. Far less, we're not even talking about malicious intent. We're just saying like, they're fallen and they're not perfect and they're just the same as us. Yeah. But there's this deference to them that is a idolatrous um, denial of the doctrine of man. Yeah. It's like somehow they're exempt it's like, from, hold from on the private second. Yeah. All of our doctors and our, our science table and our politicians, they're not worse than us. They are the same though. And they are prone to the same sins that all humanity is prone to. But what a lot of people want is they don't want to think about that because that's unnerving to think about. That's right. It's unnerving to think about the people that you base your life around are are fallible. But that's, look, when you don't have God, you need to have God-like people. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is one of the big aspects of the fall we haven't really touched on yet is that... um, we still need a God. Oh, yeah. Right? So we're going to make a God. Yeah. There's nobody in the world, uh, people call themselves atheists, but there are no atheists. Yeah. Uh, that's what Paul says, right? Mm. In Romans 1. Everybody creates a God, whether it's in their own image or in the image of yeah. cows and birds or mm. whatever. Um, and so, uh, I can't remember where I was going with that. So, yeah, you, you're going to create that. And if you're aware of the fact that you want to serve a God, yeah. Um, and it's probably not going to be the true God mm. if you're not repentant. Uh, then you're going to be a lot more wary of those people because mm-hmm. you're going to realize, oh, I'm I'm ascribing to this guy qualities that only God has. Yes, right. You're you're aware of that desire yeah. to deify something. Yeah, yeah. You the, we've ascribed omniscience, you know, omnipresence, 
omnipotence. You know, these people can do anything. They'll keep us safe as, as if, as if like people can rid the world of yeah. harm and risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's absurd, like but it is, is totally yeah. a religious thing. Yeah. This is old I, news, but uh, sorry to cut you off. No, no, just one fine. more thing. You remember when, when Obama was running the first time and he said, this is, this is, we'll be able to look back and this is the time when we made the, uh, we made the oceans recede and he's going on all about the, all this God talk about the stuff we did. And it's like, whoa, yeah, you don't have the power to do any of that. You, <laughs> you're clearly ascribing godlike powers to the government or to yourself or to whoever. This year we end death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone would cheer. We ended sin. I mean, we ended racism. It's like, yeah, good luck with that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Ben. What were you going to say? Oh, I'm trying to recover my thoughts. I, what, I rattled your the, brain. I'm sorry. They come and they leave just as quick. <laughs> but um, well, that idea of of the reality is too horrifying to admit. Yeah. When you have a monolithic body uh, that has no checks and balances, now dictating everything that happens to you. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, yeah, that's exactly. You just you just have to live in denial. Mm. You have to. You just have to create this alter reality mm. where, you know, people are still saying things are going to go back to the way they were. Like this is, you know, uh, once this blows over, it's clearly not blowing mm-hmm. over uh, with every new restriction that's put back on. Um, but it's it's again you. <laughs> You can't you can't work towards a solution mm. when you're just persisting in in unreality in, in, in this little dream world, right? Yeah. Mm. It's like let's yeah, this is horrifying, but guess what? We're not alone. This yeah. has happened. This is this is the the norm of history. Yeah, totalitarian uh, states, uh, statism to varying mm. degrees, right? Mm-hmm. But we do, but we, this is a, we don't even teach history with no, the doctrine of the fallen mind. No, we teach history with Hitler's the bad guy and we're the good guys. And what we need to do, therefore, in the world is to overcome the bad guys. But an honest look of history um, helps us realize that, no, no, we are the bad guys, right? Like, we we are evil. The same yeah. things we see in those people are in us. And that's how you gain humility and wisdom. And then you think through, how do we do, not do this? The reason our culture is currently careening towards repeating the same problems of literally 60 years ago, like we're not talking six thousand years in the ancient scrolls that have mm. no longer been passed down. It's like half the world's population was alive when this ha- or more. You know, we've our parents all lived through this. Um, is be- is because of that functional denial mm. of the depravity of man, of the corruption of man, and we have resorted to to this class, this person, this structure is the problem, and mm. not us. Again, we get back to Genesis, right? Yeah. Like Ben, you're talking about ignoring and and pushing down that reality. Uh, I mean, what? And you already mentioned it, but what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. Yeah. They hid, and John says in John chapter three, um, verses nineteen and twenty, and this is the judgment: the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Mm-hmm. This is the reason we hide. This is the reason we ignore these truths is because we ha- we, otherwise we would have to acknowledge our own depravity and our own sin. And it's easier to just hide it and blame it on someone else. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's sort of what we're getting at the, through the whole thing here. But Oh, 100%. But our response to sin is part of our sin. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's like that is our corruption. But thanks be to God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and into the world to save sinners. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but, next, next week we'll get into that. Yeah. It's, just, it's important we, st- we, tell, we tell the story from beginning to end. Mm. Um, you know, we used to assume a certain level of, of biblical literacy on behalf of people. And, and so you have the bumper stickers, you know, God loves you, or, or you start with, with, you start with John 3.16. You, you don't start with Genesis chapter 3, mm-hmm. but you need to start with Genesis chapter yeah, yeah. 3. Well, you start John, Genesis 1. Yeah. Well, yeah, you need to start mm-hmm. at the very beginning. My point is, you, if you don't have sin, if you don't start where it starts, mm-hmm. none of that later stuff makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and and we are... Uh, it seems in, arbitrary and su- superfluous. That's it's right. Like, yeah, well, okay. of course God loves me. Yeah, right? well, I love me too. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in agreement. And, and so <laughs> we're, we're in a culture of, of massive uh, historical and, and biblical illiteracy. Yeah. And part of, um, as, as ministers... Um, I'm not talking about in an official capacity. We're all ministers to some extent, ministers of the truth, agents of reconciliation, mm. is to, look, we need to tell the whole story. Yeah. And that's not uh, uh, a happy story. It doesn't start that way. Um, but otherwise, it's just going to get confused people mm-hmm. and not be faithful mm-hmm. to the gospel. Hmm. Well, how, long, how long do you guys talk these days? Until, until we're speechless. Okay. Until there's nothing left to say. Al, Al is, that, is that a thing for you? I I just like take my cues from Jeremy. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. You get the nod. Oh, did I, I didn't give the nod, did I? No, no, no. no, no. We don't have to wrap it up just yet. But uh, yeah, um, I was thinking about some C.S. Lewis earlier mm. uh, in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. That scene where Eustace becomes the dragon. Mm. I don't know if you guys can recall yeah. that whole scene there, but he uh, basically flies up to a little pool and meets Aslan. And realizes, you know, the truth about who he is and all this. And uh, Aslan um, sheds the, sheds his scales. Uh, and then he says, well, he thinks he's better because he took the skin off. But then the skin just grows back. And then he Initially, realizes, Eustace tries to shed his own oh, right, scales. Yeah, he tries to shed his own yeah. scales. And, and uh, he realizes that that's just not deep enough. It's something deeper need to happen. And talks about Aslan's basically ripping him apart before he puts them back together again. And that's kind of what we're talking about, that radical, the radical corruption, total depravity, whatever you want to call it. And I guess we'll get to this more next week. But what God does when he saves sinners Mm -hmm. is not just um, change their mind on a few philosophical things, right? He he gives us that heart of flesh Mm -hmm. where there used to be a heart of stone, Mm -hmm. a heart that understands its own sin uh, and now desires to love God rather yeah. than be in rebellion to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to getting to that. Yeah. And you need to get to that. You have yeah. to get to that. Yeah, that's right. Well, if that's all, you guys don't have anything else? Uh, nobody brought no, a poem? No, I was just, yeah, I was just waiting for the poem. No, no Do we have poems. a, we still have a segment? Kind of a we haven't segment? done the, the good, the true, and the beautiful in a long it's, time. I've, I've dropped the ball on that. Now okay. we're just Well, I mean, couple. I'm here. I kind of embody the... Maybe All Ben will things. pick up the, the ball good, on true, that. Beautiful. We just sort That's of, true. Now we who would be the good, who would be the true, and who would be the beautiful? No, I was just saying I embody all three of them. So it's <laughs> okay. just my oh, mere okay. presence. I, I mean, we don't I need see. a segment, right? Uh, yeah. Surely you have some poetry memorized. Maybe you could give us, give us one. <laughs> I, I don't. Shame on me. <laughs> Shame on you. I've been reading um, Tennyson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ulysses. Mm. It's and a great one. I love that one mm-hmm. so much. 
So I haven't read much what's Tennyson. That, what's that about? Um, well, the the part that stands out in my mind is a very is a last stanza at the very end, and he's talking. My understanding, he's talking about the kind of the bummer of growing old. That's right, and and he wants to go back on adventure, and he's leaving his his weak little son in charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but it's an epic ending. It is. Is that sort of a long form poem? It's it it's not too long. No, yeah. it's not super short though. No, no. It's it's. Uh, I have a hard time with long form poetry, mm. and I don't know if it's just I have a hard time following the the story or the theme. Are you talking? So you like, must are you like epic poetry, Milton? Like, not even. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I picked up. A book. I picked that up, and I didn't know it was poetry. And someone's like, what, "The whole thing's a poet poem." It's like what? Well, you recommended to me that conversation between Peterson and um, Rex Murphy, or was it you that recommended that? Yeah. And I'm listening to this, and he's spouting this poetry. I'm like, I have no idea what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, And just he talks about how he had to read and reread and reread the stuff until it starts to make sense. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at with poetry. I'm like, I read. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. So, what was the last stanza? Do Do you recall it? I don't have it memorized. All right. There's some good lines in there. It's like to strive, to seek, to something and not to yield. And uh, basically, though, his strength has failed, you know, his resolve hasn't. Mm -hmm. And I just like that. I find it epic. (laughs) I've also been, I was telling Ben, I've been reading through the Lord of the Rings again. Oh, yeah. And um, I feel like I've never read the first book. So in my mind, getting out of the Shire was always the most boring part. Oh, dude, that's the best part. And getting back to the Shire at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm finding it to be the best part, and I've just been enthralled with it. So the say, whole thing goes downhill after Bombadil. Okay, that's that's what I've <laughs> not. Really, no, I wouldn't say that no, because I love I love uh, Theoden. Yeah, yeah, and he says some epic things. But For, yeah, I love the escape from the Shire, and yeah. I feel like I must have just skipped a lot of it before. So and it could and be I've, just where we're at right now. That's, that's right? what I was saying. Yeah, it's like because we are similar to those times. Yeah, as the reader, you're reading it, going, "Get out! They're coming! They're yeah. coming!" Right? And it takes them what eight months to to yeah. pack up, and they go from one place to another, and then before they finally realize, "Oh, we're in imminent danger here." Yeah, and that's kind of where the church is at right now, too. Yeah. Right? As we look back, we're like, "Wow." We're in danger, but it's sort of we're moving in very slow steps toward where we need to. Yeah. Go. yeah. Well, I shared I shared with our school board um, a quote from Elrond from the Council of Elrond when he basically they decide on the hobbits, and he he says something like power, wisdom, and strength basically are not going to win this mm-hmm. thing. And but he said, but that's okay because often it's the, the you know the small hands, the weak people that move the wheels of the world, mm. while the powerful are unaware. And it just reminded me of Paul and and how God chose the weak and the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Mm. And it just gave me a lot of encouragement that Tolkien was really picking up on the way the world is not 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 a fantasy, but actually, um, this is what the church is. The church is weak, and the church is foolish in the eyes of the world, but that's so that we might not boast in ourselves, but right. boast in the Lord. And that's right. as we, it's been discouraging, especially our ilk is a little minority, uh, but we don't have much at all. We have no cultural clout. We have, you know, we know lots of money and influence or whatever, but that's actually okay because we have God, and that's how God's always done things. It's like with Gideon. 
going down. Yeah. Too many people. For, yeah. yeah, you've got too many people. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. do we ever think like that? Yeah. 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 Well, this is this is great. I wish we could keep talking all night, but uh, you know, I should go. We and, can only assume so much of listeners, <laughs> so much stamina. We don't really have any list, listeners, right? Anyway, so I guess so. we just keep going. Al doesn't know this, but I just download the podcast eighty times every week, <laughs> just it, to it, make it, him feel better. It looks like we wow, have eighty look at all listeners. These downloads, yeah. <laughs> it's just me eighty times. Do you listen to Do you listen to it eighty times, or you just no, no, oh, okay. no, no? Come on, I don't have that kind of stamina. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, pff, I don't know what else to say, guys. Let's let's uh, put our thinking caps on for next week. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the redemption and uh, the good news, right? That's the good news, the gospel. We're going to mm-hmm. get there, and though things are dark at the moment in this conversation, they will get much brighter. Amen. I assure you of that. Thank you for joining us on the Dominion Podcast. <laughs>